Peace be with you. All right, good job. Hey, welcome everybody. Welcome all our campuses. We want to say thank you for being here at Homer and at New Lenox. Welcome online. Glad to have you here. Uh, we're going to talk about the uh, differences between uh, the way most of you grew up and the way we do things today, okay? So let's just do a little test and see um, if you're still in practice, okay? Sign of the cross, up, down, right, left, or left, right? Oh, yeah, you had to kind of do it again, didn't you? Oh, I mean, come on, all our campuses. What was this saint that was supposed to guide you in your travels? Christopher, remember? Yeah, he had a little necklace and everything. Some of you are like, oh, whoa, whoa, yeah. Uh, in 19, some of you are like, yeah, yeah, I got St. Christopher. And others of you realize that they took St. Christopher out of the calendar officially in 1969 because they're not sure he was a real person, okay? Little bit of news to you. Go Google it, all right? Uh, Limbo, is that the dance that helps you see how low you can go? No, okay. What, what saint helps you sell your house? Joseph, yeah. What are you supposed to do with him? Oh, everybody knows now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I had a house for sale. Yeah, you bury him upside down facing the street, and he helps you sell your house. Okay, I, I've said this many, many times, but I grew up mostly in Oklahoma, and I really didn't know much about Catholicism growing up. All I really knew about Catholicism, I learned from the sound of music, and, and so that was limited, okay? And, and I had to learn Catholic before I could be effective here in Chicago when I moved here in 1990. For example, we had a big sign that pointed to our auditorium in our old little building over in Tinley Park that said, sanctuary until one of my Catholic friends said, hey, uh, sanctuary is not where we go as Catholics. That's like the, the official place that only the priests are supposed to go. So that sign is kind of really messing everybody up. And, and, and then there were things that would come along like I would go, I would go visit somebody in the hospital and, and I could just tell it really made them uneasy and nervous until finally somebody said, dude, the only time you see a Catholic priest is when they're there to give you last rites. <laughs> so somebody would be having like gallbladder surgery and I'd show up and they'd be like, huh, ah, oh, what, oh, what do you know? So, so, so I had to learn these things along the way. A disclaimer at the very beginning, this is my version of the differences, okay? In case you're visiting, I do have an earned doctorate in religion. I'm not, I'm not dumb. I just may, I may get things a little bit differently than you understand them. And I'm going to do my best, and you can disagree with me. And I may get to heaven and be greeted by some nuns with rulers who smack me for messing this up. I don't know, okay? But, but here's what, <laughs> oh, oh, a little pain out there today. Okay, I feel you. All right. So, so, but get this straight right up front, all right? I am not a Protestant, okay? I am not a Protestant. I, I am not protesting anything. Protestant means protesting. The Catholics call us Protestants because we're not Catholics, but, but we're not. We're not protesting. I, I am not here to tell you that the way we do it is any better than the way they do it, okay? I'm trying to explain the differences. I am not here to tell any of God's children how to live in relationship with their father. If worshiping God in the Catholic setting with, with all of the beautiful stuff that they do with the incense and the sacraments, if if that is how you have a good relationship with God, then please be Catholic. Please stay there. Please go back there. 
And if you want a church where you can publicly speak in tongues, okay? I mean, I'd love, I have a lot. I got churches I can send you to. We don't do that here, but I got churches I can send you to. If that's what your deal is, then go do that. I want you and your father to be together. If you want to handle snakes, I mean, you're probably going to have to move south, but I have churches I can send you to where you can do that. What I'm saying is that Christians need to stop fighting each other. That, that's just the dumbest thing ever. It, it happened all the way back in the beginning. The disciples came to Jesus and, and John said, Teacher, we saw a man driving out demons in your name. And we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Don't stop him, Jesus said, pounding his head, I think, at the same time. No one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. Okay? The disciples, they're hilarious sometimes, you know. Oh, hey, stop driving out demons. No, Jesus is like, no, no, demons bad, not demons good, okay. (laughs) Come on, you guys. The last thing we need is more Christians fighting each other. Somebody give me an amen, like a a good Baptist amen there, okay. In in John 17, we get a a glimpse into the last days of Jesus' life. It's almost like a, a diary of his prayers and his thoughts, and he says, I'm going to remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name so that they may be one as we are one. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me. That's his prayer. So so what I want to do is I want to start together, okay? Before we talk about differences, I want to start together. The Apostles' Creed is an easy way for us all to be unified. Uh, The Catholics, uh, non-Catholics, everybody uses the Apostles' Creed, has for 2,000 years. So I want to ask you to stand together, and I'd like for us to do this, all of our campuses. I want to do this together. I I changed the, the word Catholic because you don't understand it. Catholic means universal. So when you said it, it really didn't mean like Roman Catholic. It really meant like universal. That's what Catholic means. So I just changed it to universal and we'll say it that way because that's what we're trying to do here. Are you with me? Here we go. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the holy universal church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right. You, wait. Sign of the cross. Everybody, <laughs> you may be seated. We need to do that more often. I mean, uh, really, I mean, this is the stuff that unifies us, okay? Catholics believe that. I believe that. I hope that you believe that. If you don't, you're welcome here, and we're glad to have you here. But everything centers on Jesus Christ, common ground in him, okay? If you are Catholic, let me do this again. I want to show you how at home you should be. Some of you are are visiting, and you're like wanting to know these things. I wonder how many people grew up Catholic here. Would you just, at all of our campuses, raise your hand if you grew up Catholic? 
Catholic in some way, all right? It's almost everybody, all right? It's 80% in the south suburbs, and it's got to be about that as, as, when it comes to here. That's our people, okay? That, that's who we are. And I get a lot of questions from you when you come in, you know? Is it legal for me to be here? No, you know... <laughs> Can you absolve me? Are you going to report me? Does the bishop have a secret camera? I mean, all, all of those things, right? And I hear from a lot of you that maybe this may be you. I hear from a lot of you that you watch online for a long time, you know, because you're, you're a little bit nervous about coming in. And, and, and I, want to, I want to help dispel that a little bit, okay? I also get a lot of questions from those of you like myself who didn't grow up Catholic. And, and so I just want to talk about the differences, all right? Four of them. Um, I could probably sum the whole thing up with this. Uh, and this is probably the, the, the basic thing that is the difference between the two of us. The Bible for us is our sole source of authority. It is not that for Catholics. Vatican II, this is from the Catholic doctrine, Vatican II document says, in order to keep the gospel forever whole and alive within the church, the apostles left bishops as their successors, handing over to them the authority to teach in their own place, okay? Pope Francis is the 266th pope of the Roman Catholic Church. It's a line that goes all the way back to Peter, who the Catholics refer to as Pope number one, okay? Why? Because Jesus one day asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? And Peter answered this way, Jesus, you are the Christ, God's Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, now I say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and all the gates of hell will not overcome it. So what's the deal? Well, the deal is very simple. Catholics believe that Jesus was building his church on the rock of Peter, and non-Catholics believe that Jesus was building his church on the rock of Peter's answer, that you are the Messiah, okay? I mean, that, that's the big difference completely. Depends on how you interpret this whole line. Uh, Jesus is the Messiah, that's the rock, or Peter as the first leader of the Jerusalem church, which he was, he is the rock I'm going to build upon. So this is where the papal office came. So the Pope can change things. The Pope can add rules, change rules, whatever. We, as, as, as part few, do not go to tradition for anything. As a matter of fact, we break tradition a lot around here, as you obviously know, okay? Um, but, but we always go back to this. That's the difference, okay? Catholics trace the papal line, again, back to Peter, whether Peter wanted it or not. Okay? His official stature wasn't created until years and years and years after Peter. So, so it's, it's hard to say how that whole thing would have gone. I personally don't think Peter would be comfortable with what they, that what they have done to him, for him. You know, I really don't. We know from, from Scripture that Peter was the leader of the first church, but infallibility, um, man, it's hard to find that in the Scripture. And, and that Peter would want that role. And by the way, Peter was married. For what it's worth, I mean, how do we know this? Because Jesus healed his mother-in-law, and nobody has a mother-in-law just for the fun of it. <laughs> I love you, Carol. 
Not, not, not a big deal, okay? The church didn't change it. This is kind of part of the point, though. It's not a big deal because the church didn't change the rule on priests getting married until a thousand years later. There's nothing about, there, there's nothing about priests in, at all anyway, but there certainly isn't anything about clergy or priests or anything not marrying in the Bible. It was done a thousand years later. And those of you that grew up Greek Orthodox, you broke off about you know, a thousand years later because your guys were like, no, nah, I'm going to have a wife and we're not doing this. And so you, you know, things broke up at that point. Have, not getting married was not in the Bible, but it's okay because the Catholics have the Pope and they have the papal office and they have sacred tradition and they can decide to do things differently. As I mentioned, having priests isn't even in the Bible. Okay, so, so, so there's a big reason for the differences. Vatican II, again, consequently, it is not from sacred scripture alone that the church draws her certainty about everything which has been revealed. Therefore, both sacred tradition and sacred scripture are to be accepted and venerated with the same sense of loyalty and reverence. Okay, like I said, that probably sums up all of it that you need to know. Sometimes people say, well, Catholics follow rules that aren't in the Bible. Yes, that's absolutely true. And every good Catholic would admit that. But they have a very solid reason for doing it. It's the result of their view of the church's authority in the daily life of the believer. Okay? So where do we get Ash Wednesday? Here's my favorite Ash Wednesday picture. <laughs> you can read that a whole lot of different ways. Um, well, where'd that come from? It was added later. It's church tradition. It's where they got Lent. It's where they got no birth control. It's where they got priests not, you know, getting married, not eating meat on Friday, doctrine of purgatory, infant baptism, eternal virginity of Mary, infallibility of the Pope. None of that stuff is in here, okay? But, 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 but because they take tradition, they take the church office as well as the Bible, that's how things work. For us, uh, it's this, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We, we, we think that scripture is enough, okay? Which leads me to the second difference. Um, we believe in the priesthood of all believers. Bible's our sole source of authority, priesthood of all believers. The Catholics still really lean more towards an Old Testament system of worship. All right? There is still a railing between the altar and the congregation in most, in most Catholic churches, right? Because only the priest has access to, to, to being able to, to give you the sacraments and, and to be able to you know, do the things in a priestly office. In the Old Testament, the priest was the one who spoke for people on behalf of people on, on their way to God. There was a special place in the tabernacle and in the temple where only the priest could go and offer sacrifices for the people. But then what happened when Jesus died? The moment that Jesus died, the veil that separated the holy place from everybody else was ripped in two from top to bottom. In other words, like God was ripping it in half, very important detail, saying, I don't need anybody to intercede anymore. My son is the high priest. We can all come into his presence and we are all called to serve him. What this means for us is that there is no special caste, no special group of people who are called clergy and are somehow elevated to a, you know, a higher position than the lowly people in the pew. Catholics believe that there is a priestly office and only they are the ones who can administer the sacraments, which leads to some very funny moments.
quite a conundrum, isn't it? She can't touch the host and he can't touch those, so they got a problem. You, you, you read in the book of Acts that as the church is getting started, as I understand it, it was the disciples who start the church. What are they? They're fishermen, right? Tax collector. I mean, pretty, uh, the Bible says unschooled and ordinary men. Even Peter was not a, a theologically trained person. He was a fisherman. I mean, if the, fir the first pope thing probably would have made more sense if it was Paul because he was religiously trained all the way through. Peter was just a fisherman who spent three days with Jesus, or three, three years with Jesus. I mean, that was it. And, and here's what he wrote to us. Peter did, but you are a chosen people. You, he's not talking to like me, he's talking to all of us. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Nowhere in the Bible will you find the words clergy or laity or layperson. That's why at Parkview we allow any believer to do baptisms. Go baptize your friend. That's what they did in the New Testament. Any believer to serve communion or to pray or to visit the sick or to share Christ or to lead worship. We would allow you to preach. It's just that Todd and Casey are a little possessive of the time that I don't get to preach, right? So, but, I mean, really, it doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, the big problem I have with the whole priesthood scenario is that Jesus told us not to put people in the place of our own relationship with God. I mean, these are the words of Jesus. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. I mean, I, I don't know if you get this or not, but if you put your faith in a human, they are going to disappoint you. If you haven't seen enough of that lately, you aren't paying much attention. So don't put me on that pedestal. I don't want to be there. That's one of the reasons we do do team teaching, so it's not just the Tim show. I'm just a guy with a mission, and I happen to have the microphone this week at the same time. Don't call me father unless your name is Becca, Lauren, or Rachel, or one of those yahoos that married them. That, that's it, okay? <laughs> After that, no, okay? And listen... I, I love Pope Francis. I mean, like, bucket list. If any of you have connections, I want to meet Pope Francis someday. I think he's awesome, and I couldn't be more excited about what he's doing. And the admittance of the Pope uh, recently about the abuse of nuns, which we've known has gone on, the admittance of that uh, recently, and what we already know about child abuse and what he's doing. And I don't know if you heard the news in the last couple of days, uh, but an archbishop has been, uh, has been defrocked in, in the U.S., and that's never ever happened before and he and he's working on it and it's time to fix that now and the abuse of power by pastors in protestant churches has to be held in better accountability because it damages the kingdom of god and i'm sick of it at the same time i know i'm not above it that's why i have so much accountability within our our own board of elders who are my bosses as well as my partners in ministry that we do this together and hold each other in check. I'm not saying that I'm above all that stuff. I'm saying the sooner we get rid of this high office of the clergy crap, the better it's going to be for all of us, okay? 
Number three, we admire Mary, but we don't pray to her, okay? Young Benjamin was being very selfish one Christmas, and he was writing out his list to Santa, and his dad was watching this go on, and he finally just got so frustrated. He's like, look, this is ridiculous. You need to you need, he, come in here, and he took him into the family room, and he sat him in front of the, of the nativity scene up on the, up on the mantle, and he said, I want you to think about what Christmas is really about. It's not about all the stuff you're going to get. I want you to think about what it's really about. He said, I want you to write a letter to Jesus. So the little boy thought, okay. So he sat down and wrote, dear Jesus. And then he started listing off all the stuff that he wanted for Christmas. <laughs> you know, I mean, Jesus, Santa, whatever. He said, I tell you what, dear Jesus, I've been a very good boy this year. Um, please bring me. And, and, and then he thought about it and he cr- crossed it off. And he thought, no, that's not really true. He said, dear Jesus, I'll be a really good boy next year if you bring me. And then he crossed it off. He said, no, that's not going to work. Jesus knows everything. And then he said, dear Jesus, I'll be a really good boy next week. And then he thought, no, that's not going to work. And he looked around and he went up to the mantle and he grabbed Mary and he stuck her in his shirt. And he said, dear Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother again. Mary is a great example of someone who is fully devoted to God, okay, a great, the greatest, okay, example. In Catholic teaching, however, she is elevated to a a place of special sainthood. She's called the Queen of Heaven, the Eternal Virgin, right, someone who receives our petitions. If you want to get the attention of the Son, they would say, go through the Mother, So the Hail Mary closes with the words, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. Go ahead, say it with me. Now and at the hour of our death, amen, right? So so, so what what is that about? Why does Mary need to pray for us? And and as much as I appreciate and, and, and love the respect and the reverence that Catholics give for the saints and for Mary, oftentimes it can unintentionally get in the way or distort our attention away from Jesus as our central focus. I mean, the Bible tells us there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for men. Catholics believe this also, but the view they have of Mary puts her in a place that I believe kind of gets in the way of the relationship that we should just have with Jesus. We, we don't need to go through Mary. We don't need Mary to pray for us. She was the greatest example of humble servants in the Bible and the greatest example of, of faith we will ever find. And we should honor her greatly, but we don't need to go through her to get to Jesus. He's always right there. Last one, we trust in God's grace alone for salvation. Now, at the risk of oversimplifying the positions, and I know I'll get emails about this, but at the risk of oversimplifying the positions, Let me call our position the Jesus plus nothing plan and the Catholic's position Jesus plus something plan. A major reason why the Protestant Reformation happened in 1517 and around that time was the growing conviction among a few key Catholics, uh, Catholic scholars, that the Bible was teaching us something that the church wasn't teaching at the time. And it was really skewed far over at that point. And the church has come back to this. And the, and the church, Catholic church does believe in grace and does believe in faith, okay? But these Catholic scholars back in this day were seeing all of this other stuff that was being added on, all of these works that were being added on. And they would read scriptures like, therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather through the law we become conscious of sin. That's saying that you can't be good enough. 
All the law is doing is showing me that I need a savior. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. That's why I call it the Jesus plus nothing plan. And the Catholics also believe this, but you might have been pretty confused about it along the way because of the sacramental system and because of the confession and because of all the things that, 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 that salvation is maintained through the sacrificial system and the sacramental system of the church and one's participation in them. And sometimes people I've talked to said that it got emphasized to the point that there was just nothing left but a perpetual sense of unworthiness. And so you, you end up carrying around this weight around that, that you're just not good enough and you haven't done enough stuff and you try to get rid of it by going to confession or saying Hail Marys or praying prayers of absolution or whatever it is. It's a big difference for us. We trust in God's grace alone for salvation. Nothing we do to deserve it. 100% Jesus plus nothing. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. And Paul goes on a couple of verses later and says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Because the deal is you can't possibly absolve your own sins. They're, they're too great. The wages of sin is death, period. Listen to me for a second and just believe me, okay? I'm a pretty good guy. I really am. I mean, when I die, somebody's probably going to put a plaque up in a storage room somewhere. Tim Harlow used to preach here. I'm not the best person in the room. I'm not the best person at, at, at your campus. Definitely better than Richie and Jason, but not the best person <laughs> at your campus, okay? But if we're grading on the curve, uh, this is all I'm saying. If we're grading on the curve, I'm probably going to get in. I know a lot about all of you, okay? I'm probably getting in. But, but there is no curve. There is no curve. It's 100% or nothing. The wages of sin is death, period. But don't worry because God sent his son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's for me because I need it. That's for you because you need it. That's for the Pope. That's for Billy Graham. That's for Mother Teresa. That's for a thief on a cross. That's for a, a death row inmate that turns to him in his last moments. That's what grace is. It's Jesus plus nothing. And does this matter? Here's why I think it matters, okay? And, and again, if, if you're just trying to check out the differences, man, if the Catholic system works for you, please go back there. I would love to be able to figure out how to help the Catholics be able to, to learn some of the stuff to be able to relate and minister better to the 21st century. I would love that. There's a billion of you around the world. I mean, it's the, it's the largest group of, of, of Christians that there are. I, 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 love, I love them. I'm not, I'm not going against them at all. Here's what I want you to hear from me. I'm a dad, okay? 
And as a dad and a grandfather now, I can't imagine how God feels as our father when he is trying to have a relationship with us and he sent his son to die to pay for all of our sins and he sees us running around going, oh, I hope I'm doing enough. Oh, I hope I'm good enough. That just doesn't, that, that just doesn't feel right to me as a father. I would never want my kids going, hey, hey, uh, dad, am I, am, I, am I good enough? Have I been good enough? Living in fear of me, that, that, that would be horrible. And God is a way better father than I am. I was in California this week. Um, I lead a, help lead a pastor's conference, and, and it was in California. So I got to be around two of my, two of my daughters live in the L.A. area. So I got to be around Becca. She's, uh, she's in, in, uh, on staff at Mariner's Church out there, and she had a big decision she was working on. So she called us up one night, and I had this big thing that I was supposed to do with, the, you know, with this group that I was kind of help leading, and um, I blew them off because I wanted to go hang out with Becca, and I wanted to help her. That's what a dad would do. And don't get me started on grandkids because, you know, I'll do whatever they want. When I was in Ventura with my granddaughter, Olivia, she's three, and my, and my grandson, Caleb, is almost one. Um, I, I, I'm, I, whenever I go to their house, they, they, they're in a house, so I'm Tim the tool man. You know, they're, they're, they're always doing something to this house because it was a piece of work when we, when we helped them get it, and, it, you know, it needs a lot of work. So I'm coming out of Lowe's one day. I just made a quick trip over to Lowe's, and I'm coming out, and, uh, and there's Girl Scouts selling cookies right there. I mean, smart Girl Scouts, right? Because the guys are at Lowe's, okay? And, and, and you know, it's so, but so I walk out, and I'm like, uh, Girl Scout cookies, you, they, you know, you want to buy some? And I said, oh, no, I'm gluten-free. And they said, uh, we have gluten-free cookies. And I said, yeah, I know, I tried them. And, and I started to walk away. <laughs> and, uh, and I started to walk away, and then I thought, wait a minute, what am I doing? I'm, I'm here. I'm in Ventura. I, Olivia's here. Her parents are very health conscious. She probably hasn't ever had a Thin Mint in her life. <laughs> She has now. <laughs> Listen to me. God doesn't love you based on how good you are. He doesn't love you based on how much you've absolved your own stuff. He doesn't love you based on how much bad stuff you did in the first place. He loves you 100% because you are his child. And the reason you are his child is that the adoption price and the adoption papers were filled out by his son on a cross. And he gave everything so that we could be in relationship with him.